The text that calls for our attention this Lord's Day is our Old Testament reading for today from the prophet Ezekiel chapter 2, and especially these words. The descendants also are imprudent and stubborn. I send you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord God. And whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What does a pastor do? Well, I suppose there's lots of ways you could answer that question, depending on who's asking it and what they are asking. I mean, you could answer it simply by listing off some of the tasks that a pastor might be about during the week. You might say a pastor will preach, a pastor will teach, he will study, he will pray, he will visit. He may in one week or not another baptize or marry or bury. He will listen. He will consult with other brother pastors. He will counsel people with the word of God. He will administer the Lord's Supper. And I suppose in our modern world you might add things like he will post sermons online or he will write a blog or he'll create advertising for Facebook and Twitter. Or I suppose if you wanted to answer that same question in a different way, you might answer it by asking this question. What is it that a pastor seeks to do by accomplishing those tasks that have been mentioned? So here you might say that the pastor seeks to comfort the mourning, to rebuke the erring, to encourage the wavering. He teaches the simple. He guides the wise into more wisdom He calms the anxious. He humbles the proud. He exalts the humble. He gives peace and joy to those who are convicted by sin. Or you could just make it really simple. And that's the kind of answer that we find in our Old Testament reading for today in the book of Ezekiel. We are told there that the prophet or the pastor, both being speakers of God's word, really only have one thing that they must do. Oh, there are many tasks that surround this task and help support it, but in the end there's only one task that a pastor must do. So what is that one thing? Well, as Ezekiel was told, the one thing is that they must say, Thus says the Lord. Now it might seem nice to you to have a job where you only have one task that needs to be done. But of course the doing of that one task is not always so easy. For while sometimes saying thus says the Lord will bring comfort to a repentant sinner, well in another time it will frustrate the impenitent sinner to the point of anger. When the children of God walking in newness of life, they will often, or excuse me, while the children of God walking in newness of life will often receive the word of God with great joy, others who have been tricked by one lie of Satan or another will refuse to receive the word at all. 
And to be truthful, sometimes speaking the word of God is hard simply because the one who is supposed to speak it is struggling personally with believing that indeed, regardless of what happens when he speaks it, that the word is worth speaking because it always accomplishes that for which God sends it forth. But all of that being true, God told the prophet Ezekiel that his job as the prophet in the Old Testament was to say, thus says the Lord. In fact, that's the very reason Ezekiel had been sent to the people of God. He had been sent in order that he might tell them what God had told him. He was ultimately not to be concerned about how the people would receive what he said, but was only to be concerned that he said it. It was very much the same when Jesus sent out his twelve, as we heard about in our gospel reading. Again, they were sent forward to tell the world what it was that the Lord had said and also what he had done. But Jesus told them right off the bat that in some places they would be received well, and they should remain there. But then in other places they would not be received and would have to shake the dust off their feet as they left. But those disciples were not to let either of those possibilities change what they would say. They were simply to say, thus says the Lord, or then say what the Lord had said. The clerical collar that many of us pastors wear in our day was not actually designed for its symbolism, but was actually just sort of a natural occurrence of what was going on in fashion at the day. But I always think that maybe God had other plans, because this simple shirt helps remind us what a pastor is to do. The majority of the shirt is black, reminding us that the pastor falls into sin, just like all people. But there is this white tab that is placed over the throat to remind us that the pastor's job is to speak the holy and pure word of God. That is his unique calling. So let me ask you, do you want your pastor to do his job? And I don't mean just me, I mean whoever God gives you as your pastor throughout the various stages of life. Is it truly your desire that when you are with your pastor, he would always just say what the Lord says, regardless of the situation or of the topic? Or do you wish sometimes perhaps he'd just remain silent so that feelings would not be hurt? Do you wish sometimes that another word might be spoken, a word that people might find a little more pleasing to their ears. Do you like it better when your pastor tells a joke, assuming it's a decent joke? Or do you like it better when he just speaks the word? Do you like it better when your pastor doesn't seem to feel the need to bring up what the word of the Lord says on a particular topic, when an otherwise good exchange of ideas and opinions is simply floating about? When your pastor does his job of speaking the word to you, do you do your job? What's your job? Well, it's to receive that word with joy. Do you receive the rebuke or the comfort that the Lord offers to you in his word? Do you allow it to be the force that forms your daily life? 
If we are quite honest, we must admit that both the speaking of the word and the receiving of the word are things that we struggle with as the people of God, living in this sinful world. I can guarantee you that there are times when pastors remain silent when they should not. There are times when pastors change the word just ever so slightly in order that they might remain liked or, at the very least, employed. Hearers sometimes place their fingers, whether literal or figurative, into their ears, or at least try to convince their hearts and their minds that what their ears heard surely was not quite right or to be taken literally. As the key for us today is to recognize that those instincts we often have to avoid the simple speaking and receiving of the word of God Well, those instincts are sinful. They're sinful, and the evil one delights in those instincts taking root and growing. There's nothing, perhaps, in the whole world that Satan loves more than when the Word of God is silenced. So, if one convinces a number of people in the congregation and the pastor that they should not speak a particular word of God in order that we might keep some sort of false sense of unity present in the church, well, Satan, he'll rejoice over that. If another one can convince a few of the flock or the shepherd that perhaps there's a slightly different word that could be spoken that might fill the pews more quickly and make the offering plates be a little more full as well, well, Satan will laugh at such a thing, laugh in delight, If still another can convince the hearers of the word of God or the speaker of the word of God that the word of God simply does not have the power to accomplish the things for which God sends it, well, Satan will sit quite satisfied. Yes, I as the pastor, the preacher of the word, and you as the hearer of the word need today to be quite honest with ourselves. While it is, of course, true that as people who are God's children, who have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them, that in one sense we do treasure and love the Word of God, we must also admit that there are specific words of God which cause us great discomfort. We're afraid to speak them or to hear them spoken. We're afraid to receive them or to have other people receive them. And that means that sometimes we want those who have been given the task of speaking the word of God to do anything other than that. Ever since the very beginning, the word of God has been a polarizing force. It began by separating light and darkness. You and I live in a world that tells us that the greatest evil that one can do in the world is to speak a polarizing Word. But today we're reminded that there is a much greater evil, and that is that if the Word of God is silenced, that is the greatest evil the Bible knows, that the Word of God and its message about Christ would not be spoken into the world. Oh yes, people will always respond differently to the world, some positively and some negatively, but it must be spoken anyways. And why must it be spoken? Well, it must be spoken because it's the truth. It must be spoken because it's powerful. It must be spoken because it is, in fact, 
God's word. And if we do not hear from God, you and I, we die. It's that simple. We die because when we do not have the word of God, we are so easily influenced into walking down paths of sin that lead to death. When we do not have the word of God spoken to us, that despair that can follow from the guilt of sins can truly take hold and lead us into a very dark place. You see, we die when the word of God is not right in our midst. Precisely because Jesus is the word of God. And if he who is the resurrection and the life is not right in our midst, well then we die. We have nothing to reap but death. And so today, let us repent of the way that we often deal with the speaking and the hearing of the word of God. Let us repent of not speaking the word, of wishing that it was not spoken, of ignoring it when it is spoken. And after we have repented, let us then again listen to that word. For if we will listen, we will be told that our sins, even those sins we have just repented of, are forgiven. We will be told that we have new life given to us by Jesus Christ, who is the resurrection. We will be told that Jesus died and rose in order that we might have such precious gifts as forgiveness and life. And when we hear that with our ears and it travels then to our hearts, well, that is when the Spirit works faith. He works faith in our hearts that is able to say something as simple as this. May God always send someone to me to say to me, thus says the Lord, Amen.